F1 podcast. Yes, we're back after a week off where we've all been writing various things on F1 and rugby over the last seven or eight days. And as usual, I'm joined by two people who love giving their opinions to the world. No, it's not Harry and Meghan, it's Freddie Coates and Adam Dickinson. How are you both? I'm, I'm good. I, I was about to mention that because I'm glad that Freddie's um, been able to get away from his family drama that's been going out <laughs> over the um, the past week or so. Um, but he's, I'm very pleased that he's taken some time out to uh, join us today. I'd actually been think, thinking how I'd be able to shoehorn that in, but Nigel handed it to me. So, I can't believe, yeah. I can't believe um, A, I've been added as a member of the royal family. Oh, no. But also, B, I can't believe Nigel's um, set the, the wing in at F1 anti Meghan and Harry policy for no, this I podcast. For Just... clarification, I am not against them. <laughs> okay, good. Because yeah. that was a that's a hard line to walk. <laughs> and I think none of us are going to do a Piers Morgan to this podcast. To be fair, I nearly oh, I was going to mention him in the intro, but but you I wanted to walk out. To, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> decided to go against it. Well, yeah. How, how it really works so well walking out because you just go out of sh- like yeah <laughs> it doesn't like it doesn't work in audio unless you, at all, unless you like it? move the track it across as you're walking then it doesn't really work absolutely and we will be getting on to testing in a minute but first i think the best thing to talk about or the first thing to talk about is the really sad news uh from the weekend that murray walker for the one legend commentator for decades in Ford One, not just known in the UK but worldwide, sadly passed away at the age of 97. Uh, the F1 world has been paying tribute to it to him as as they should. He's absolutely, you know, he was absolutely adored, still, still is, and always will be. Uh, yeah, how, how what did you guys think of the news? It was just awful, wasn't it? Yeah, Damon Hill said um, it felt like he would just never, he would he would go on forever. It felt like he would never go. And I've I've always looked at that kind of thing, like you know, people from history, history of the sport, and kind of think, well, eventually something will happen. But I actually really resonated with that with Murray because whenever you look at anything from Formula One history, it's always got the soundtrack of Murray Walker, and that's something that is consistent over you know loud engines, quiet engines, bad races, good races. It's always got a fantastic performance from Murray Walker, and he was. Excellent. I remember like really early days for me as an F1 fan watching sort of little clips of like, oh, what happened in the past? And Murray was always there chatting so happily and so interestingly, he was always so gracious with everything he talked about. He was always such a lovely man. He, he, he was he had such delight with the entire sport and it was hard not to revel in that as well. And yeah, it, it's a great loss. It's a great loss to, to motorsport, but it's fantastic that it's just brought up the celebration of someone who deserves to be celebrated. Yeah. yeah, I don't think I'd echo all of that. It's it's interesting thinking about kind of F1 before I started watching, because I started watching after he'd finished commentating. And in general, I feel a bit of a kind of divide from that, you know, even just between the 2006 and seven season, that, you know, feels like quite a, big divide in kind of how I view it but he's kind of never been part of that he's never kind of felt as distant as that he's like hearing his commentary it does you know feel familiar even though it's not something I grew up with and just you know he brought so much extra to races for people watching and 
people looking back now and you know I kind of know him as much as a lot of drivers over that over that period he really is kind of that bigger name and that bigger part of of F1 over decades and decades and yeah I think I agree with Freddie that it's incredibly sad that he has passed but seeing the outpouring of emotion on that and there just doesn't seem to be anyone who's had a bad word to say about him and people who've known him personally and, and it's all just positive um, funny stories that you hear from it or wholesome stories or whatever um, so yeah I think thoughts with his family and and all of that but yeah, a great loss to the world. 100%. Yeah, um, he is just incredible. Uh, Martin Brundle and Ted Kravitz have done the piece on Sky, it's on Sky Sports F1's YouTube channel uh, at the start of Ted's notebook where they talk about Murray and they've obviously both worked with him for many years. It's a great piece. I definitely recommend it. But yeah, just like you guys said, it was really, really sad and for me, I, I remember when the BBC was covering F1 in the UK between 2009 and 2011. They used, to, they used to show classic races on the red button, or BBC red button, it was called. And, uh, and yeah, I, I used to watch them because obviously, you know, big F1 fan then still now, and, you know, Murray Walker was the voice then. He's commentated on so many of the sport's biggest and most memorable moments in the 70s, 80s and 90s, you know, you know, some good, some bad, some crazy, some controversial. He's seen everything, and he was the voice of F1, and he was just yeah adored by everyone. Absolutely incredible what he's done. Uh, I think Martin Brother mentioned it's a shame he didn't get a knighthood, and I'd have to agree with that. Have to agree with that. Uh, but yeah. yeah, just just such a big loss. And I remember listening to the Beyond the Grid that they did with him. I think before the hundredth or thousandth Grand Prix. Um, I think it was before that and just at the end um, he was asked to to go you know just kind of do a, a run-in and a go 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 and just you know hearing him like switch to that mode and it just kind of brought goosebumps and as I say like I'm not even someone who kind of experienced that in real life growing up as a fan but hearing him just switch to that and, and immediately get back into into character was was just kind of thrilling to hear really. There's a, a writer called James Roberts who writes for most sport network people, um, publications like GP Racing and um, also Sport. And he was doing an interview with um, Jensen Button and Lewis Hamilton when they were at McLaren. And well, Murray Walker was doing the interview and he was he was kind of helping out with it. And he was driving Murray into the technology center. And there was a, a, um, a bar down, a barrier down, and then a green light went on, went up. And Murray shouted, go, 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 just out of the blue, just from the passenger seat. And he shared this story on Twitter. And that, like, that brought kind of, that made me really emotional because it was just, it, it really just spoke about how much he loved what he did. He adored what he did and everyone adored him doing it. And it's, it's fantastic. He's always been the person from F1 history I've wanted to meet the most. And I've always kind of thought you look at drivers and sometimes you kind of feel like as a fan, you would bother them speaking to them about Formula One. But you, you, you look at Murray and you think I can have days of conversation, weeks of conversation with this guy going on and on and on about something we both love. And it's such a shame that that chance isn't, isn't around anymore. 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, Vince's passion was incredible. He's been on many adverts as well. Yes. Uh, yeah, he'll definitely be definitely be missed, and and we will you know try and use some of the passion that he he had throughout his throughout his career in our podcasts, including what we're going to talk about today, which was testing. Just three days of running this year, which was. Uh, tough for the teams, especially the ones who didn't get too much mileage. And the big story is Red Bull might, yes, might be challenging Mercedes this year. Max Verstappen topped the timesheets during the final hour of testing on the Sunday. Uh, he also ran largely reliability free or, or trouble free throughout the weekend, as did Sergio Perez when his engine cover flew off. Uh, <laughs> Freddie, do you really think? This is Red Bull's year, finally. We were talking about this before the podcast. I mean, everyone's <laughs> been talking about it in the same way. Is you just can't quite say it. And I don't know, I've got this sneaking suspicion that, yeah, I think it it could be a fight for Red right, It could be a fight at the start, at least, for, for, from Red Bull. I think there could be something there. They're great at developing. They're and they've started at a, a higher baseline in comparison than usual. Adam, do you agree? <laughs> it's it's just so difficult. I've yeah. I've, I've been spending uh, not insignificant periods of my time over the last kind of month or so looking um, at compilations on YouTube of people of NFL pundits who have been doubting Tom Brady for about the past 10 years and saying that he's washed <laughs> like it always comes back to bite and I feel like it's kind of the same the same thing like I just can't quite like bring myself to to actually bet against Mercedes and Hamilton I think Red Bull might make a better fist of it this year in terms of putting together a challenge and I think Perez will help with that and the progress that they seem to have made on the car will help with that. And to be honest, I think in in a straight fight in terms of the best cars between Hamilton and Verstappen, I think it would be really close. But I just, uh, what, I don't know. I just don't what would it take for you to, to change your mind and say, yes, Red, this is Red Bull's big chance? I think if we turn up to the first race weekend mm. and they really stick it to Mercedes, I think that would be when I'd kind of be thinking about it. You know, I was, I was thinking back to um, Austria last year and that was kind of a bit like testing in the sense that they'd been working on the cars for so long without without actually getting a chance to drive them. Mercedes looked like they might be in trouble in terms of they had that issue with the sensor. And they had the issue with the sensors and it, you know, it looked like, oh, might they be in trouble? And no, it just wasn't. I don't know. I think if we turn up to the first weekend, and Rebel are really sticking to Mercedes. That'll be the point. Yeah, I mean, Rebel did win testing, and we can definitely say that Rebel had a better car during testing than Mercedes did. But it's obviously there's two week gap until the first race, and then the obviously the other twenty two races after that that change the picture. Because you look at development cycles and you look at changes to cars throughout the years, and if we go back to the most recent challenge to Mercedes in twenty eighteen from Ferrari. Um, Ferrari started as a faster car, well, an equal car of Mercedes, and then became the faster car. Then Mercedes became the faster car. Then Ferrari definitely became the faster car. 
and continued to be the fastest car until they put on an upgrade that made them the slower car for some <laughs> reason. And so cars alter, they change. The whole, the whole packing order changes as the, as the year goes on. And that can change from two week, this two weeks' time. But the Mercedes bring a new floor for Bahrain Grand Prix comparatively to Bahrain testing is we don't know at all, but it seems like you know they're going to be beaving away, beaving, beavering away in Brackley to to get on with that because um, they've got form in bringing an updated car to the first round of the season, even to the second test in it, uh, a couple of years ago. They basically brought an entirely different car to the test to the second test yes. and. That was, you know, it's not even sandbagging when you just realise that your developments will work. So they might have developments back in the factory to attach onto this car that will work. But now I say, now I say that you kind of think, but also in 2019, the baseline was a car that was stable. This year, the baseline is a car that is unstable, which means that any development that's been pre-planned for this car will need to be held back and re-looked at to see whether it will either make an improvement or just become... Uh, an addition to the bad bunch of, te- of um, aerodynamic differences that are there comparatively to the previous year. So it's a step, this test has definitely been a shot on the foot and a step back from Mercedes, but whether they can come back from it is, and when they can come back from it, not whether, when they can come back for it is the question for Red Bull here. Mm, and us. Yeah. Mm. Out of it. I mean, the Nigel, biggest... you've been doing the most on this. It's difficult, but I think, and as Freddie has pointed out, there are many similarities between uh, Mercedes sandbagging and they have only topped testing on two occasions in the turbo hybrid era in 2015, even, and sorry, not 2017, Ferrari looked really strong. 2018, Ferrari looked really strong. Even 2019, that 2019 was probably when Mercedes sandbags the most, and then they ended up winning the first eight races. They had five one-twos to start off the season, which is absolutely unbelievable. But the difference this year is the mileage. They did the least number of laps of all 10 teams, and with just three days of running, it compresses everything, whereas in the past, when they had seven or eight days, they might have started. They might have started the test off slow, and then started to pick it up in the final couple of days. They don't have that chance this year mm-hmm. uh, because we're going to go straight into the first race in two weeks' time. It doesn't help that practice sessions have been shortened to sixty minutes as well. But it just it doesn't look planted at all. Hamilton, you know, spinning twice. It ended up in the gravel on Saturday. Bottas had a gearbox problem, which kind of kick-started uh, the bad run for Mercedes in testing. Whereas Red Bull looks like they've got a car that's absolutely planted. This is Sergio Perez's first event in the car. You would expect it would take a, a bit of time to get up to grips. But he looks fantastic out on track. Verstappen, of course, does as well. And the, on some of the long runs that Red Bull and Mercedes have done, Unfortunately, Mercedes didn't do a full race simulation, which was really annoying to mm-hmm. see what their pace was. But Perez did do a long run at the same time as Bottas on Saturday evening. Uh, so that's when the race would normally take place at night when the temperatures are falling. And Perez was able to match Bottas's, Bottas's times. And that was the first, that was his first day in the car. So I think that's quite that's significant. Uh, so, yeah. you know, 
yes, there will be more to come, and I'm sure Mercedes will be right up there. But I think Red Bull will be a match at least for them, just because the car looks so good. It's almost like they've reversed roles because in the past, or last year, or the last couple of years, Red Bull looked like looks like they've had a really twitchy car. We've seen Alexander Albon and Pierre Gasly struggle with it. It now looks like Mercedes are in Red Bull's position, and Red Bull are in Mercedes. No, yes, Red Bull yes. are in Mercedes' position. I think I said that right. You it's it's also like they swapped roles. Uh, yeah, it's going to be fascinating, and I, I wouldn't be too surprised if Verstappen is on pole or wins the first race. I wouldn't at all either. I think um, you're right about testing being intense. Um, with um, that was just when there was a sandstorm, they were all still heading out. You can't lose a day of testing now. You can't lose half a day of testing, and Mercedes did that. Lost basically a whole day because of if you discount the sandstorm as well, and then Lewis spinning in the next day into the, into the gravel. And then his, um, his final, the final session, you kind of think they'll have got it on, got a handle on a few things by the end of it, at least, because, you know, we look at Grand Prix weekends and maybe a team will start off the weekend in a little bit of a rough position, but by the time you've had three practice sessions and you get to qualifying, they've got a handle on what they're doing more or less. But after three days, they didn't have a handle on what that car was doing. Hamilton would put the foot, put his foot down, and the car would just go and spin. And there seemed to be they stick on board on a lap, and he would make a correction into into the corner. Then you go to the next corner, he didn't make a correction, and you go to the next corner, make a correction. This is in the qualifying sims, and every corner he seemed to have to change the direction of the car a couple of three or four times on some of them. And if you look at some pole laps from last year, if you look at the pole lap from Bahrain last year. It's going to be of a car that was as user-friendly, as smooth, and as um, simple to drive as a car can be. And they had that from the off in um, Austria. As Adam says, they were they, they didn't look like they could put a foot wrong there, even if they had issues with the car behind. They The car still drove like, like a peach, and now it just doesn't at all. And that is... That's going to be scary for them, I think. That's going to be really, really, really not comfortable position for them, especially because it's it's Bahrain. Everyone else, it's Bahrain for the first race, and Bahrain was the test. Yeah, you can look at that and think they know exactly what they need to fix, but every other team knows exactly what they're doing well here. It's an extended practice session, yeah. and every other team is going to be even further away at Bahrain. I think they're really going to be saved by the fact there's a massive gap to Imola. There's five weeks from now to the second race of the season, so... That's, I think, where we're going to be having like an entirely different championship from there. Yeah, and that's... Oh, go on, Adam. Yeah. Would are you, are both of you, or either of you, willing to say you think Verstappen will be on par or win? Because I don't think either of us, or all of us, would be surprised. I don't think any of us would be surprised if he is in that position. But do you, are you, it, will you go as far as to say you think he will? It's one of those things. Most likely, where, it's the most yeah, likely yeah. thing coming out of the weekend that he is Poland or win. Yeah, it's one of those things to me where even if it does happen, and I kind of expect it, it will still surprise me just because Mercedes, you know, it's Have let Mercedes. It yeah, and it's, I mean it, that. Yeah, it it feels kind of like Red Bull obviously would win it, win the pole, they'd win the race if they won it. Um, 
because they have corrected the issues they've had with the car in the past. They've sorted out the the rear instability that plagued them last year um, and meant that like the instinctive Verstappen was able to feel the car a lot better than the other two teammates he had for those couple of years. But um, Mercedes have also handed to them on a plate. I think if Mercedes had made the steps Rebel had done, they would be about four or five tenths ahead of Red Bull, but they've, they've made a step back, which is, you know, Weird. Oh, I don't know. I'm 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 filibustering. I'm trying to fill time. It's kind I of think like yes to answer your question, Adam. I, I I. But if they're reliable as well, they've proved that they're reliable. That's a that's another major thing. The new Honda power unit. So I'm inclined to say yes, only because I thought Verstappen would win the championship when I said that a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if either of them got pole or one. That's the thing. I think it's. I think it'd be actually going to be a very kind of interesting even fight. I think that's more fun. I'd rather it was that. I'd rather have four cars oh, yeah. going through it than two anyway. I, well, I'm going to say that as well. I think he will. But I'd also say over the past 10 or so years, the winner of the first race hasn't been very indicative of the winner of the championship. I think Hamilton in 2015 was the last one. And before Rosberg. that... Pardon? Oh, yes. Rosberg course, in 2016. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. Vettel, Vettel, Bottas in Australia. Yeah. Vettel didn't and... win in 2013 or 12. So. Bottas again last year. <laughs> if, yeah. if anything, you don't want to win. Yeah, <laughs> well, I, mean, I mean, let's I, not I, go that far. I, no, <laughs> I'm not going to win the race because then I'll win the championship. <laughs> you know, I think it's a valid tactic. But no. I'd, yeah, I think I'd actually agree that, especially because it's on the same track. I think as yeah. Freddie says, going to Imola, I think that might be on the start of it. But no, I wouldn't be surprised. I'd be surprised at all. And I will actually go as far as to say, at the moment, it's my prediction that Verstappen wins in Bahrain. Looking ahead to Imola and um, not Estoril, I was going to say Estoril, um, Portimao. Estoril. Um, looking ahead to Estoril in 20 years' time. Um, <laughs> Red Bull last year, Verstappen was only a tenth off pole at both tracks. Yeah basically. I mean, maybe two cents similar. I can't quite remember, but he was in the fight for pole at both of those races. So if if Mercedes have not made a step up and Red Bull have, then arguably Verstappen will be closer at those tracks than in Bahrain. Yeah, I would say to that though, Mercedes said they focused, started focusing on this year's car in August. So, you know, Red Bull kind of expected to catch up as they normally do, which is yeah. why it's such a big surprise this new car hasn't worked straight away hasn't worked straight away and i think like you like you guys have said it's at bahrain and red bahrain is not a red bull track at all no. before last year they had they didn't have a podium in the turbo hybrid era not not once with ricardo it's a cursed track for them already. it's been really bad it's been awful yeah. so but they, they yeah. haven't shown pace yet yet for them to do what they've done in testing i think it's quite significant if they're strong in bahrain they're going to be strong pretty much everywhere else i think and we talk about Mercedes traditionally not, you know, not trying to chase lap times in testing. But Red Bull don't do that either. We say that like Red Bull yeah. do, Ferrari do that, but Red Bull do their own thing a lot of the time as well. And Red Bull normally basically run a similar testing program position to Mercedes in a way that they just do their own thing and hold back a bit. So I think there's no reason why Red Bull would be gunning this year and they haven't done for the past 10 years. Yeah, I mean... I think the main reason I'm, I'm going to say Verstappen win or, or or and pole at the first race is that what more could Red Bull have done at the weekend or over the test? They didn't do anything wrong. There wasn't anything more they could do. They got through their programme. They showed pace. 
you know, yeah. everything point, everything is going border I'd say. I think, I think that's the thing. Pointing to them. <laughs> if, if if you base it off testing, there's only one winner. I think the reason we're keeping Mercedes in there is because of the last few years, or basically yeah. the last eight years. <laughs> if it was any other team, <laughs> it would be, you know, we're writing them off, but because it's Mercedes, but it, crucially, it isn't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is Mercedes. It's a you great know. point, that. Yeah, yes, I don't know. I think, yeah, as I say, I don't, I can't bring myself to doubt, doubt them for the title. It's, in, yeah. it's an exciting conversation. It, it's getting me excited. This, I'm just for the fight. I mean, yeah, it's just going to be great. And I think, you know, further back, it's going to be interesting. To, I mean, we'll get onto that in due course, but. Further back is interesting as well. I mean, this year wasn't supposed to be a shake-up. This year was supposed to be a continuation yeah. with a little bit of similarity to last year. But it, it's become mad. It's insane. I mean, From on, just on this test. Side. I mean, I know we're getting hyped over testing. You're not allowed to get hyped over testing because it's testing because it's completely different to everything that happens in the rest of the year because it's testing and everything changes. But what else are we going to do? It's interesting. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Don't, never, let's not rule out the eight time consecutive seven time could be eight consecutive world champions just yet. Yeah, no, I definitely agree, Nigel. I think equally it wouldn't surprise me if Verstappen wins in Bahrain and then Mercedes win the next five or six on yeah. the bounce. Like that, that feels like the most Mercedes thing. But yeah, we'll have to see. It, it's properly exciting though. Like it feels there is a genuine title battle to be potentially excited about. And it feels like there's two capable drivers at Red Bull because Perez seemed to yes. fit in, I think. I, know I mean, I know it's testing. I know Jolien Palmer looked like he fit in at testing, but anyway. Uh, yeah. Uh, would have been interesting to see how Alexander Albon, like genuinely, would have yeah, been interesting be. to see how Albon mm. got on, whether he, he would have you know, preferred to car and stuff. But... It feels like the majority of these like... changes have been made at his behest anyway. Yeah, or, I mean, they wanted him, you know, they gave him every chance. Yeah. And, they wanted uh, him in the car this Nigel year. Still can't let it go. They wanted him in the car yeah. this year. And they gave him every chance. And he was still rubbish, weren't you, Alex? Ha. Yeah, they were, go on, Freddie. Yeah. They wanted him in the car this year and Vettel in 2022. They wanted Vettel to take mm. a year out just to give Alvin a chance. But Vettel didn't want to do that because if Alvin did well, then he wouldn't have a chance. And it's kind of like, yeah, fair enough, Vettel. Yeah. Uh, well, what was I going to say then? That's not good because we're doing a podcast live and I forgot what I'm about it's to say. It's not live. Podcast live. Well, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> you know, I mean. That's another step up. There yeah, we go. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's the battle we've been waiting for, Verstappen versus Hamilton as well, or at least I've been waiting for for about three or four years. And we might finally get it and it's just so exciting. Oh, yeah, I'm too busy laughing at these and Adam's faces for those listening. We're in uh, shock. Or... It's going yeah, to be yeah, amazing. Shock, uh, um, <laughs> like fireball behind and us. And monks the scream. Uh, yeah, for our for all Spotify, you art fans. For our Spotify, iTunes, and other sound YouTube <laughs> YouTube listeners. Well, I was going to say Spotify and iTunes. It's a good one to watch. Audio. So audio listeners. Google Podcast. Oh, yeah, it's a good place to watch So go and have a look. Uh, yes, Acast, shout out to them. <laughs> uh, that's that bit ticked off. Uh, let's talk about some of the rest of the teams then. McLaren and Alpha Tauri had 
a very good test too, I thought. Mm. Both are probably indefinitely in that midfield battle, McLaren possibly even ahead. What did you guys make of the form in Bahrain? Yeah, thank you, Ricardo. Seems to be enjoying it. I think he said it was a bit different. You know, there's elements of the car that are different, obviously. I think he said the brakes was one of the things he, he cited as that. But yeah, he, he seemed to take take to it pretty well overall. And yeah, it's an exciting time for both teams because for Afritari, it kind of feels like they're not too far away from breaking into the top of the midfield battle, or sorry, the bottom, you know, the back of the midfield battle. That, um, you know, I, I know Sonoda's coming in, so that might, you know, there's kind of that. But it, in on the flip side, McLaren finished top of that battle last year, and it, you know, going from looks like strength to strength. I'd say AlphaTauri aren't breaking into the back of the midfield battle. I'd say they're climbing up to sort of, you know, Alpine Aston way, I think. Um, I think, I mean, actually Alpine technical director, Marshan Bukowski, put one put my favourite quote out from testing, which was, it's no longer a midfield, it's now just a field, <laughs> which was my absolute favourite quote, because it's not like he's going to be winning it with Alpine. But anyway, um, it still is the oh. midfield. So... I know it's just testing. Maybe Alpine are going to win anyway. Um, I think the with AlphaTauri, it's about consistency. They were kind of getting the results and getting into Q3 on occasion or kind of semi-regularly, but it wasn't... The other teams were doing it every race with one of their drivers, pretty much. I think it's kind of that step up that they need to make, that on occasion they were within the midfield battle or at the top of the midfield battle, but... You know, it wasn't every single race. And I think that's kind of the step up because, you know, they were behind Ferrari, who were then another half step behind, you know, the kind of battle for third. So, yeah, I think, but I think, you know, it's exciting times, I'll say, for both. Yeah, definitely. And Yuki Sonoda was kind of the start Ooh. of the show on Sunday, lighting up the timing charts, uh, trading fastest laps with Max Verstappen in the final 60 minutes or so, having a few. Uh, hairy moments as well. It's I know it's only testing, but for an F1 date, de- debut- well, so. he has, yeah, yeah. not anymore. He's uh, had a haircut. Oh, he's got, he's got so much cut off, it's mad. Wow, uh, hair facts, yeah. For an F1 debutant, though, he's already delivering, I guess. Yeah, he, he really need. I mean, I think he really needed the low fuel runs, um, as a rookie, so I kind of think. He probably had a few more of those goes at those than everyone else did, so I think that kind of flatters it a bit. But he still got there and did it, so he did good low fuel runs. He was on, oh, I can't remember what tire he was on. I think it was on the step five, C five. The seven was on C four, wasn't he? So it's still, yeah. it still flatters him a bit to put him only a, a tenth off the seven. But um, surprised the C five held up, to be honest. I am, yeah, because most people were doing really, really similar laps yeah. on the you don't normally tire in the C three, weren't they? Yeah, uh, um, but yeah, yeah to looked great. Um, Gasly had a stellar test, he set the most laps of anyone. Alpha Tari and Alpha Romeo were the top performing teams lap time wise, lap chart wise. And Gasly did something like I want to say 237 laps, which is ridiculous yeah, right. for everyone else. I mean, um, Vettel did 117 laps, mm. so well done, well done, Pierre. You're yeah. doing good. Alpha Tauri, I think they're great. I think they're going to do fantastic this year. They're, they're Are mind... they still a dark horse? No, not at all. They're they're just 
they're great. They're doing really well. I think they're going to be fantastic this year. I think they're going to take, um, like, you know how last year we said, oh, yeah, Ferrari, they've had a really bad test, but they won't be lower than third, and then they were sixth. If we say something like Alfa Tari had a really good test, but then they'll probably be sixth. I reckon they could be fourth or fifth, or, mm. you know, up there. I reckon, actually, if McLaren ahead of them, then Alfa Tari could be fourth. Who, which, wow. who are they beating out of the two Mercedes and Red Bulls, then? Fourth in the constructors. Oh, I thought you meant yeah. fourth. Really okay. Yeah. Red no, I agree. Night fastest. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's it's getting both cars in the points. They only got one double points finish last year, and that was Monza. So yeah, I think it's about that, but it's definitely on the cars for them. And as we say, you know, there are some question marks over the other midfield team, which I think we'll get to soon. Mm, yeah. I do think the qualifying mods did flatter them. I, I don't think they're going to be as high as Freddie thinks, but we'll be talking about the pecking order in a little bit. But for McLaren, I was watching them uh, quite closely and they didn't really do any race or quality simulations at all until until Sunday when Ricardo did a race sim. And remarkably, he was matching the times that Perez and Bottas did the day before. It was sensational. Oh. I don't think many people noticed it. He kind of went under, under the radar because because Verstappen and Sonoda were... I know I keep doing that. <laughs> because Verstappen and Sonoda were, were doing fastest laps, but his race still at the end was, was brilliant. out waves. <laughs> yeah, McLaren are looking great. The, the car yeah, looks McLaren, good as well. McLaren got to the point on Saturday where um, Sky F1 were like, why haven't McLaren got out? So they, sent, they went down and had a chat with them, and they said, McLaren said, oh, we're doing, we're doing quite well, actually. We don't really need to go out. <laughs> And they they basically they ticked off boxes. They didn't even think they were going to tick off. I think so. Fair yeah. play to McLaren. They've had that for, from a team that has had absolutely woeful times at testing in years gone by. Um, obviously, um, they'll pin that on Honda. But when they started with Renault, that car broke down left, right, and centre. So the transition to Mercedes was always going to be trouble. But it's worked out really well. And they've got a, a funky new rear diffuser as well. That they're very yeah. keen to defend. They're very keen to say how legal it is, which is also really quite fun. Um, they were really surprised that they're the only people who've spotted it. So I imagine there could be quite a lot of rear-end development as the year goes on um, with a few people copying McLaren. I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> I don't know what you said. I said rear-end development, so I don't know what you got from that. Yeah, carry on. <laughs> Well, I think I finished. The, <laughs> oh. the, the defending the legality is interesting. He's like, oh, I was, he wanted me in his house. I wasn't, didn't break in at all. It was an invite. Yeah, I think just on that point, do you think there is still a midfield? Because I think, I'd there say is. So. March I think there's point. a definite split between so far Mercedes and Red Bull at the top, and then probably at the lower ends, you're talking Alfa, Alfa Romeo Williams and Haas. I think there is still that. Haas, to be honest. <laughs> I, I think McLaren have pulled yeah. away a bit, and Alfa Romeo have got closer a bit, but there's still sort Williams. of a, a pack in the middle. I think mm. I feel like Haas and Williams the... are going to be at the back. I think Williams are going to have some great performances and some poor performances. Um, and I don't. I think Alfa Romeo have got them pegged really. I uh, and McLaren seem closer to Mercedes and Red Bull. But Aston Martin had a bad test, I think. 
Um, yeah. Alpine had an okay test, but it wasn't as good as McLaren's. And AlphaTauri had a really good test, which puts them with Alpine and Aston Martin for me. So I kind of think the, the midfield seems to have shifted down from where it was last year, basically, if that makes sense. I think McLaren have got closer to Red Bull and Mercedes, and I think they might break away slightly from the midfield. But then I would say AlphaTauri, Ferrari, and Alpine, and Aston Martin, they'll be super close, and it'll just be track-dependent as to who's ahead out of that bunch. But I also think Williams and Alfa Romeo have closed in on the midfield too. And we only saw George Russell for one day on the, on the Sunday because Roy Nisani took the car on Friday and then it was Latifi on Saturday. And Russell did a race simulation as well. And he, he, his pace was much closer to the midfield, definitely compared to last year. So I think Williams have made big strides. And then I, I do think Haas will be in their own league, but in a bad yeah. way. <laughs> so. And Williams' car looks a lot better in person. Yeah. yeah. It looked amazing yeah, on track, I thought, actually. Yeah. After we had gone on about mm-hmm. oh, mm, nah, last week in our winging it livery off. That, that Nando's. Was, Nando's livery off. Nando's. I'm going to get that sponsorship in there. Please sponsor <laughs> us. Um, but, yeah, they look. it looked a really good car on track. I think it's up there now. Maybe a few sort of mm. bits need to be sort of slicked out because it's still a bit patchwork. But... Um, I really like the look of that. I think the Aston Martin looked worse on track. Yeah, it did. I'd agree with that. Yeah, even though I quite enjoyed the Aston Martin, the look of it. But yeah, Aston Martin, other than Mercedes, probably had the worst test. He had gearbox issue. He had a turbo boost pressure problem, and he had an electrical failure as well, which meant, as Freddie said before, Vettel did the least amount of running out of the 20, well, 21 drivers, but Roy Nassani only did the one day. Out of the current field, Vettel did the least number of laps, which wasn't good, you know, for a new team, and he's already admitted that he's not where he wants to be. Uh, yeah, is there any thoughts on Aston Martin quickly? I think it's worrying if he's kind of saying he's not where he wants to be, because yeah. he needs to be... You know, compared to where he was last season, he needs to improve on that, you know, to kind of take a step back forward in his career or, you know, kind of revive, you know, and have, to have a solid end to his career. I think that's worrying. On the flip side, you know, it is coming into a new team and, and, and it's a very different environment, um, you know, different machinery going from Ferrari to Mercedes and all of that. So I think maybe cut him a bit of leeway on that. But mm, it's it's not where he'd want to be for definite. Yeah, not, not ideal. They're I'd say they're on the back foot. They're probably the team that's mm. most on the back foot. Yeah. Um, but maybe Haas going into into the first race of the season. Yeah, I mean the best place to learn the car will be in the races anyway. And there's so many races this year that it's going to be fine. Um, I think really realistically for him. Yeah, he's had three days of testing. Two afternoons of his were were in the garage basically, and that was it. That's what got in the way. And I think you know, Stroll did have good track time actually. Stroll was up there for um, mileage, so I kind of think Vettel did make an interesting quote that said, 10 years. This is him ten years ago. He would be panicking a lot, and that that actually, to be fair, that really intrigued me because it kind of feels like um, he's. 
he knows what to do though he knows how to get out of this rut of lack of time in the car and i feel like he knows what's what he needs to gel with so i think he's got two weeks to do a lot of homework he is someone who will do that homework and i think probably vettel will be not as in bad a position starting the season as probably it's being made out by some yeah i think i'd agree with that yeah uh let's speak about his former team that was a good segue from me for once uh ferrari yeah, <laughs> They were, I mean, I think Ferrari is a team that I'm most unsure about. I can't tell if the third or seventh, to be honest. They, they, the race pace didn't look great until science at the end. But then Leclerc did a ridiculously quick time on Sunday morning. I think it was like first thing Sunday morning on the C3 tyres. He matched Bottas's time from the night before. It was a bit weird. So I really can't tell with Ferrari. I'd be surprised if they're third. Yeah. I think fourth or fifth, maybe, but I think leaping right to the front of the midfield battle would be a surprise to me. I just think, I mean, I think they're going to take a long time to get science up to speed in that car. I know you said the race pace was adequate with science at the end of it, but it was still not, yeah. not great. And it took them so long to get to okay race pace. And he was, he was still scruffy. The car was still tetchy. Mm. And I think to have the car, when the car was driving, the, driver, the car was responding to the drivers, it wasn't going that fast. So I kind of think there's going to be a middle ground there, which, yeah, like Adam says, could be fourth or fifth, maybe sixth. But I think they're well not, they're not out of the the um, the midfield that they thought they would be out of. I mean, they're, they're, yeah. their power unit is fine. Their power units on top of it. They've got. They were at very good speed trap figures, um, and I kind of think that that's good for Ferrari. That's a step forward. But these um, chassis chassis changes have come at kind of the wrong time for them. Comparatively, I think if they had continuation exactly from last year, they could have made a good step. But they haven't. So, yeah. but everyone else I mean has improved. That's the issue. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, they say they've gained forty brake horsepower with the power unit, which is which it which is a lot over the winter. Uh, I, I think they are kind of back in the game Four in tenths. terms of the engine, because last year they were just sitting ducks on the straights. It was unbelievable, just getting overtaken in the in pretty much every race. All straight. Yeah, every so straight. It was just oh. it felt like every lap they'd just be another car yeah. flying past them. Oh yeah, yeah. that was sad. Uh, yeah, for them, yeah, for them, and Ferrari fans, yeah. But I think they are back there with their engine. I just don't quite think the chassis is quite good enough. We haven't done many hot takes yet. Do you want to do some on Ferrari? And if you do, what are your yeah, hot we takes? Didn't, we didn't. Mm. We, they did. We didn't include them in our livery off because. Yeah. Um, they, they hadn't announced the car it. and we assumed they wouldn't do anything crazy with it, like slap a green logo on it and make the end look like it had been in fire, but they did. So um, do you have any quick sayings on your Ferrari livery, apart from the fact that it's just someone signed something off and gone, what? And that's it? Yeah, I, I, I heard someone else say this. Like, Ferrari, it feels like they don't have a livery. They just, <laughs> they're just red. Like, you know, in, in general, it's like, you know, it's just... Ferrari is a Ferrari. You don't think of 
they're like liveries for me but well, for, the, for the car that's looked the same for the most amount of years it's looked so different each year if that makes sense like if you look at the last 10 ferraris alongside each other there's lots of little differences they're just like why what's the point why do you bother why don't you just make I a think... nice sort of red car that looks good because the red looks good in its own right it's there for that because it's the italian racing colors and it looks great but then they give little flicks to it to say let's try something different and people complain when they don't change it but when they do they complain also so yeah but there's a difference between changing it changing it well and changing it badly um but i think it's also just like more generally they don't seem to kind of change much you know like you look at mercedes and they've had like silver for the past seven years or eight years or whatever and then it was black and then before that there was the brawn and it kind of you know there feels like there's more going through it or look at aston martin now and kind of they've been through several phases of colors over the past few years and i think it's that with ferrari it's like it's just always some form of red with maybe white or maybe black it's well, like I mean, that team ownership is different for that because obviously mercedes is entirely different yeah. team to braun entirely different team to honda yeah. and aston martin's entirely different to force india but like um, williams mercedes, and McLaren would maybe be better comparisons i think yeah i think mercedes worked for the past 10 years because you look at the petronas um aqua color they have on the side of it and that's been an entirely different format as it's gone through but it still looks stylish and it still kept the um kept the trend for the merc cars going through like you, if you look at like they have those like silhouette t-shirts when they win the championships and the the aqua is entirely different formats in all of them but it still looks good and it's how you can reinvent the same thing and that's what ferrari have tried to do but they feel like they've done it in more art deco kind of ways <laughs> yeah but i just think like with ferrari and, and red bull's probably the other one that they've just had this same livery for for so long that it's just like i don't know it's just there anymore they don't feel like there's much change um but a but green yeah. logo doesn't help i don't think no um, it doesn't and i like the it won't be there for most of the races it's just fine yeah i think that's the main thing they've just done it to get a bit of a storm going that's a good point um, about the numbers though they do look great mm, very nice nigel you oh, don't want to i thought you were going to say something there chat. Well, no. what was that oh you know, okay you, I can... you, you don't like silly livery chat nigel but no i anyway. don't mind <laughs> have, have a yellow livery that's what i really like so no. just a yellow ferrari livery <laughs> just just like one season one race even just be great the reason that we won season because everyone will stop buying ferraris and stop buying <laughs> ferrari merch all the rich people can buy ferraris anyway so <laughs> everyone will stop being rich yeah well <laughs> well yeah, let's not get into that. Oh, yeah, you <laughs> want to bring us on to some hot takes. Yeah, it's a very mm. long-winded way of going on to some hot takes. But... Welcome Freddy. to the Winged F1 podcast, everyone. Freddie, what's your it? hot take for Ferrari? Um, science won't score points until... Oh, thank God he's carried on. <laughs> no, not science won't score points. <laughs> science won't score points until round six. Hmm. Specific? It's specific. What's round six? Is that Mon Azerbaijan? Possibly. Think Mon yeah, Monaco's round five, so it must be Azerbaijan. Certainly yeah. yeah, it's sixth of June, maybe. I might rephrase that. Science <laughs> <won't score laughs> points. I think it's first... too late now. 
I can't remember the old points of like cycling really close in like five races in a row, and then like he just like loses a wheel at like the last corner or whatever. But that happens like five races in a row that he's like, oh, he's about to get fourth, and then just like no, gone. And Science that won't score. Science won't score points. Months. Science won't score points in the first five races. I'm not saying he will definitely score them in the sixth. That's what I was going for. Okay. Okay. Have you got one, Adam? <laughs> Is that a hot take? I don't really know, because Vettel had a terrible season, so... Yeah, but, like, not scoring points. I mean, some races, some races, like, only 12 people finish, so... And, and William, Williams still, take up two... Non- Vettel's still got one point, so... <laughs> but then, then Williams take up the two non-scoring points, so you're guaranteed to finish in the... You've in got the a point. 50% chance of, for five races, haven't you? So... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you do. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Maths. Um, Don't make me sing. (laughs) Go. Shall Leclerc. It's always difficult with these trying to think what's hot. Say it and we'll we'll shout you down. (laughs) Leclerc finishes in the top six of the Drivers' Championship. Oh, Wow, that is spicy to me, anyway. Maybe he finished last year. Don't know. Well, I feel like Eight. it was actually a lot closer to that than. Yeah, because of his podium. Remember? Yeah. Oh, well, I'll, I'll stick with that. He was he That's was eighth last year, actually. Yeah, might yeah go for it. Because I mean, if we're saying two Mercedes, two Red Bulls, and two McLarens for him to yeah, be one of those three, that could be quite something. Mm. Uh, for me, is it fair to say Ferrari won't get in the top five of the constructors? Is that hot? No. No, it's not. Okay. I feel like that's not a hot take at all. Top four, I'd say that might be hot. No, I'd say wait, if not. they will, I'd say it'd be hot. Wait, what? I so said wait, not the... top five. Not oh, no, top sorry. five, yeah. So not top yeah. four would definitely not be hot. Yeah, no, sorry. <laughs> I was thinking if you said they finish in the top four, that would be hard. But I just yes, got the wrong end of it. That's a good point. Well, not top very... five is prediction, so I'll come up with another one. Um, let's yep. say, let's let's say at some point there's going to be a wet qualifying and sites all the clothes going to get pole. Ooh, okay, like that, that is hot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What if they get pole in the dry? Well, that if they get pole in the dry, I will. I've got to be careful what I say here. See, see, the thing is, <laughs> if you just said they'll get a pole, that would still have been really hot. Yeah, it would. Yeah, but you've, now you've made it harder for the... yourself because if they get a yeah. pole in the dry, then you've got I to mean, go equally, and do some forfeit, like jump off a dam or something. Equally, how are wow. they going to get a, po- a pole in the dry? Like, <laughs> really? I, I really hope they it. do now, so we can make Nigel like skydive. I mean, <laughs> I said. What was it last year? Vettel didn't sign fast and he would eat a hat or something. And luckily yeah, Vettel eat a hat is normal because everyone eats hats yeah, every true. day. That's like the classic. So yeah. That's what Freddie has for breakfast every day. Uh, yeah, little hats. Yeah, <laughs> Counting my blessings. <laughs> uh, yeah, have we got any hot takes for any of the other midfield runners while we're doing these? Oh, we've really done them on our Vettel previous episodes. That's too hot. Alonso wins a race. I think Alonso's got more chance than Vettel having a big race this year. 
like one crazy race <laughs> and he kind of gets gets like into at least a podium but i feel that i don't know if that's hot enough Better getting a podium i'll t- tell you what let's let's have a prediction how many different race winners and pole sitters do you, do we think there will be this year last year there were pole sitters is the hard one five were were different winners last year i think five winners um, and four pole sitters um yeah Oh, it's hard. It's hard question. Um, 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 um. Five winners. I'm going to say five winners, and and for pole sitters, I will say three. Uh, I'll just as Adam thinks. I'm going to go with six different winners across the 23 races, and I'm going to go four pole sitters. I think. Yeah. I was actually thinking and freezing, so oh. I'm really glad that you uh, <laughs> you went before me. I think five winners, because I think there's the Paris factor will kind of take away some of the the other kind of crazy ones. Um, yeah, that's a good. Point. Whereas before it was kind of you know that's another driver that has to have a bad race, mm. otherwise yeah. you know he's going to be right there in the hot seat. Uh, I think probably the same actually. I think five winners and four pole sitters. So that's I think, yeah. Freddie said three, didn't he? And I, I said, said three poles and five winners. And I you said, said six, six and four. four. Yeah. So you've combined it's the two. Slightly with... different. Yeah. Mm. I mean, so there's who's not who's much variation. Is... That's the point. There's not much variation, which is yeah. the, the sad, the sad, sorry state yeah. of Formula One. Obviously. So but... do you think Perez is going to miss out on that? I think Freddy. what I, I think that was the all top four, four top drivers are going to win a race, and there's going to be a fifth outside. In, in terms of pole, though, uh, yeah, Perez. Yeah, I good do. answer. Um, <laughs> Straight. Well, we'll Perez is qualifying. Uh, Q3. Has, Perez's qualifying has only been great with against Stroll, really. Mm. So why would it be fantastic against Verstappen? Is my yeah, but Stroll point. got pole position at Istanbul. Whoa. Yeah, but Perez Stroll didn't. did get pole position. He also led half the race or whatever it was. And Perez didn't. No, <laughs> crucially. So he's not going to win at Sakir. How many drivers do you think will reach Q3? Wow. At What's some point in the season. season. Not a bar rain, otherwise it's just 10. <laughs> 14. <laughs> 17? No, 16? 16. I just don't see how it, yeah. how Alfa Romeo Williams or Haas can get into Q3, though. Yeah, Haas, no. But Alfa Romeo, I can see. I can see it happening. Yeah. All right. Fair. And, and Russell. Yeah. I'll go 15. Mm. Split the difference. Yeah. We will I completely definite- cherry picks. That we won't remember come the end of the season. Yeah, I was going to say, we will definitely be coming back to this at the end of the year. Yes. When... To see if Nigel has to jump out of a plane. Yeah. And to see if Adam is in America as well. Uh... <laughs> yeah, Nigel hopefully, can jump out of a plane we'll when he visits by... Adam. Hopefully, we'll know that by about the Hungarian or the Belgian <laughs> Grand Prix. <Yeah. laughs> if we don't know it by uh... then, then maybe foregone conclusion. But <laughs> Yeah. Uh, the last. I think talking point before the close of the podcast, just because Adam's brought it up before, was the big sandstorm on Friday. Do you think is this something we want to see more of in F1 to make it more exciting in theory? All right, Bernie. <laughs> brilliant. Some brilliant photo, uh, yeah, like photos, footage of it. I mean, 
I think it's a one-off, isn't it? To a sandstorm. I think like a causeway race, that'd be quite fun. What you mean like they sort of have to wade across? <laughs> no, like you start off, you kind of time it in. so there's about yeah, like about two hours or so. Like you time it, so, and then they've got to do kind of laps, you know, kind of like a not figure of eight, just like a long hover, I guess. Well, inevitably there'll be a red flag. There'll be a red flag, and the timer will be paused. Then it would just be them driving in a lake or, or the sea. <laughs> and... Well, they well no, they can like lower the amount the of race. laps they've got to complete for how long, how long the uh, race goes. If you find Sorry, how long the red flag is, for, uh, how long the red flag is for. If you can find a beach, you can get planning permission to do that on Adam. I will definitely support that venture. Sounds Have to bonkers be... and amazing. You got Lindisfarne. I think it's Lindisfarne. I think. Northumberland. Could do a little uh, thing on that. I think that'd yeah, be quite the Northumberland good. Northumberland Grand Prix jeopardy in, on the beach. In, yeah, watch in out, Silverstone. Well, that's the thing. Like, if you don't make it, then that's it. You know, you lose your car. So oh. <laughs> it's quite a lot of jeopardy. You could have it as like, I don't yeah, know, like any race. Last, last race of the season because after that, you know, no one needs them. Imagine if the championship was decided because one of the drivers just got stuck in the sea it would just be the weirdest they story fast ever enough. they didn't drive fast enough then no, but it, it, <laughs> the, the, the basic premise is still that they didn't drive fast enough but it's just you change the thing so instead of like missing out on two points in the championship you lose your car go and ride to Alejandro and Gag you've got an extreme e-race on your hands <laughs> yeah it would be, it'd be a lot funner in F1 cars because it wouldn't work <laughs> <laughs> For some drivers, some drivers would nail it, and that'd be what would be great to see. But the drivers would all be going around within like a few tenths of each other anyway, so they all just finish the race. It's not there's a massive gulf in performance between the drivers. He's frozen. Oh, if you get the timing right, yeah, but you need to get the timing right between. I've not. I'm back. Um, but yeah, yeah, apart from that idea, I was thinking about how it was this time last year about that all the racing point stuff on that there was and it kind of felt like the fabric of f1 was kind of in danger of like will every team do this in the future and there were like real questions coming out on that about it and now you know we just like completely threw up about that or i kind of had until until i thought about it the other day so i think it's interesting looking back well more teams have more teams have um built up their relationships with other manufacturers so it hasn't really ruined the fabric of f1 it's just become a thing basically is customer mm. parts and stuff like that and there's open source parts from this year as well people like certain parts have to be put onto a database to be accessed and i think that's going to be actually wonderful for for, for competition so i don't think it I mean, the, the dna of f1 is competition for me so if you're going to make competition that's fine so there we go then there's adam's idea if he wants to take over liberty media so we better watch out in the next what well however long adam lives for so what 10 15 years maybe uh, <laughs> no let's let's talk about alpha can you, can you, can you uh, grow a massive moustache by then can you grow a massive moustache by in 10 15 years adam so that you can then rule over formula one well no it kind of feels more like the um it crowd death day kind of thing that like <laughs> for a five-year period of my life nigel's gonna kill you yeah, I'm going to have to be kind of, <laughs> you know, looking out at every turn for, for when Nigel's going to kill me. So, yeah, I don't know. 
I don't really know where to go from that, to be honest. Let's, yeah, like, let's how, how, how far would you be willing to go? Like, would you, I don't know, start like a civil war in Coventry for it? And then just be like, ha ha. Like, it's, it's, it's quite a sad introduction to the pessimism stakes when we're talking yeah. about Adam's yeah. murder from one of the members of the podcast. Yeah. Is it the pessimism stakes or is it the optimism stakes? Because Alfa Romeo, I thought, were pretty good. To the pessimism stakes now the whole season. <laughs> If they do really well, then next year it can be the optimism stakes. This episode of the pessimism stakes can be the optimism stakes, but the it's it's it the the the, the segment is still called the pessimism stakes. That's still the one that um, Nigel is going to sing a jingle for now. Uh, no, I'm not. Thanks for that. <laughs> Good try. <laughs> it's worth a try. <laughs> uh, yeah, Alpha Romeo, Williams and Haas, Williams and Haas. Do we? I think Alpha, Alpha and Williams have closed up. Is that something you'd agree with? That is I'm something I would to work agree out with. Whether the Alpha Romeo, Williams and Haas, Williams and Haas can be like clipped and put by well, like some head, shoulders, music. knees and toes. <laughs> yeah, and then Alpha put by Romeo, some jingly music. Williams and Haas, Williams and, and Haas. Then that can be our jingle. <laughs> um, what was the Alpha, question? Alpha Romeo, Williams and Haas, Williams. Williams and Haas. And Mercedes and is <laughs> this is quite incredible. Aston <laughs> <laughs> Martin uh, and those. I, I ran out of teams. I can think. Uh, Join us next week question. when Freddie does it with with the drivers. Uh, yeah, Alpha Romeo and Williams after they closed up. <laughs> twinkle, twinkle, little star. <laughs> so you took a little stroll. Um. Yeah, I think they have. I think in general things are getting a bit closer over the whole grid. Um, whether that will translate into kind of better points finishes or significantly increase, I mean, for Williams, it's got to surely. But um, I don't know. I think that kind of remains to be seen. I think it seems to be quite surprising that Hassan, as far back as maybe we'd have thought, considering they have got the same package, although whether... A, whether that's a false dawn or B, they'll kind of slip back over the season as other teams at Graydon, they don't so much. That might be something to look at. But yeah, I think they have. And I think it's quite surprising, really, because a lot of the the midfield teams kind of from, from Alpha Tauri and Ferrari upwards did feel like they take, or going into the testing in the season, it felt like they would take a step forward. But yeah, I think everyone has, and that tends to be what happens when there's not much regulation change. Well, the regulation change that has happened, I was going to allude to that and say that that's why Haas haven't fallen back as much as we would expect, because if it was flat regulations, then there's nothing for Haas to change. And then if they weren't doing any development or anything, they wouldn't have been upgrading the car, they would have fallen back. But there has been regulation change with the floor and all of that, and so that's token free and that's why Haas haven't spent any tokens and stuff like that um, but they they have made changes and they therefore made developments to their car which is why they are a bit closer and you're right it is closer than I thought they would be based on the fact that they haven't made changes to certain bits to other bits but the bits they've made the changes to they've clearly done a decent job with it to be honest no, I still think they'll be last and yeah. they've never finished last in the Constructors Championship but I think they will be you know, it won't, it won't even be close. I think Williams and Alpha have moved on away from us and will be touching the midfield, I'd yeah. say. Uh, and they've lost yeah. the Wiley Grosjean and Magnussen, who did have a knack of 
doing really really standout races every now and again and the drivers they have there now two rookies and it's not wrong to have a, a double rookie lineup but well <laughs> it's I, I, I don't know about that <laughs> i mean the, it's not it's not the great thing one is kind of objectively right or wrong to be fair but yeah like i i agree it didn't seem to be a recipe for success this season no but i, I also think kind of at that end of the grizz point scored isn't necessarily the same thing as who has the fastest car even who has the best drivers as we've yeah. seen over the past few years so you're right it, it wouldn't really surprise me to be honest and as we kind of spoken about before Williams seem a bit allergic to points even when they're in a position to get them for one reason or another so yeah it, it wouldn't be surprised me if has just gone a mad stretch like um Hungary last year mm, when yeah. they you know pit, pitted on the um formation lap like something like that. They I mean, it was dry, that. to be fair. Mm, they just have that knack. So, you know, I think it wouldn't surprise me at all if they are ahead, just based off the kind of arbitrary, yeah. you know, 10th place finishes that happen. Mm. Yeah, there can be some probably attritional races that fall. We have no idea which way they will fall. So whether they I fall think... to Williams, whether they fall to Haas or Alfa Romeo, it seems that they fell to Alfa Romeo a bit last year because um, Austria won... Alfa Romeo got points with uh, Giovinazzi. Imola, when they had that big random moment at the end, Alfa Romeo got double points. Um, and I think the same was in Mugello. Um, Kimi got Ragnar some points. was third at Monza at one stage. Yeah, yeah exactly. So <laughs> I can't remember that. They, Alfa Romeo seemed pretty decent with their um, random opportunities to get points, more so than Williams and... Um, Hass, but there's no reason why Hass and Williams can be discounted from shock points in, in the same way, really. Where do you yeah. think Alfa Romeo are at in terms of their, that's quite a hard sentence to say, in terms of their driver lineup? Where do you think that would rank within the, because that kind of seems to be something for me where, again, like I put Kimi, them ninth a month ago when I did. What I ranked them in for hmm. the racing news three six five. Shout out to them. Yeah, I, I put them tell. ninth. <laughs> yeah, think, yeah, ninth ring rings true to me as well, really, because they have got they've got experience together and they've got relatively even pace together. And we we saw Kimi was a in, at least in twenty eighteen. To be fair, was a bit of a match for Vettel. And last year, Giovinazzi, at least in qualifying, was definitely a match for Kimi. So Giovinazzi could bring his races up a little bit and presumably will do in a third season because um, he's a guy who's been making incremental gains, not massive gains, not like show-off show gains in his career. But he has got better and better as it's gone on. So there's no reason why Giovinazzi isn't going to be better this year. So they're all right. That's it. They're, just, they're not, not, not got any star. Like every other team, I've said this before, every other team has a star at the moment. It's mad. Every team's got a lead driver. You've got Alonso, you've got Vettel, you've got Ricardo, you've got um, Gasly, in a way, Alfa Tari. They've all got a star driver, and you don't have that with Alfa Romeo or Haas, frankly. Mm. Yeah, I think... Because I think Alfa Romeo, it kind of felt like going into last season, they might be the slowest car, you know, even behind Williams, and they kind of dispelled that and ended up coming top of that Class C battle. Yeah, I think I think they'll continue to get a bit closer. I think, did Nigel say they get like 50 points or something? 
I might have yes. said that, yeah. <laughs> 50 points, which seems a bit far-fetched. I am not going to lie, but... That, that was the optimism stakes to that <laughs> that actually <laughs> thinking they'll do well. Way too optimistic. I think but, this is the driver lineup that I we said this last year it was probably the most interesting one for the next year, and then they kept the same drivers. And I think <laughs> again, I'm going to fall into the trap of saying this could be a really interesting one for 2022 because it looks like the Alfa Romeo sponsorship is leaving. So there's no onus on an Italian driver, and there's not the funding for Kimi Raikkonen so much if it stays as Sauber. So I reckon this could be an interesting team to watch for 2022's silly season. I think mm. make it a team to watch for 2021. He said 2020 there. I think who knows? There could be, could be some results in there. Let's, <laughs> what saying, we don't instead instead of looking at where, where their drivers aren't going to be next year, I think look at where they are this year. In true Pedersen style, we will look, <laughs> look at them running around in 15th and 16th and talk <laughs> about them. Yes, we will talk about them. We, we endeavour to talk about Alfa Romeo, the team we don't talk about. Yeah, we enjoy talking. And the last thing we're going to talk about on today's picking order. Now I'm going to chicken out a little bit because I can't really. I'm going to give you four groups. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go oh. Mercedes, Red Bull, number one, McLaren third, um, Ferrari, Alfa Tauri, Alpine, Aston Martin. Uh, actually, five groups: then Alpha Romeo, Williams, and then Haas. Haas. Yeah, wow. that's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. I, I can't. I mean, Mike Adam was saying uh, outside, not off the podcast when we weren't recording. You know, it is tested ultimately, and it's you know it's three days, so it's just so hard to 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 judge really. And even after the first race, you know, we we, we will only have seen one track. We need a few races, few races to get a good idea of where everyone is. I think, in terms of the points scores, I think it will be Alfa Romeo, Haas, and Williams together. I think it will then be a big gap. I don't think there'll be a big gap between um, Alfa and Williams to Haas. I think okay. they'll kind of be quite similar on not that many points. Um, on pace, though, do you think they'll have a good? They'll have like no chance of finishing well, was, the back row in qualifying. Do you think Haas is just going to lock that out? No, I don't think they will. Okay. Because I have a feeling, I, I kind of think I don't know. 17th would be a really good result for Haas. <laughs> yeah. That's, I, I don't I don't think they're going to be, you know, one of these really awful teams that are just locking out the back every race. I think there'll be a bit of mixing up in there. It might, you know, over the season, they'll probably be the ones who get the most you know, back row starts, but I don't think it will kind of be really completely just has there all the time. Um, again, at the other ends, I kind of agree because I can't really see out of um, AlphaTauri, Ferrari, Aston and Alpine who's going to challenge McLaren. I think if I had to anyone, I know I said AlphaTauri earlier, but I'm I'm, I do think Alpine can string a season together. I, I think um, it'll be. I would have said Aston, personally. I think it'll be yeah. a case of it will kind of change on tracks. I think yeah. McLaren will always be up, be up there for the third best team, but I don't think they'll kind of. Uh, that, I don't think they'll have it all their own way. It would just be 
some tracks they're up against Alpine, sometimes they're up against Aston or, or both, yeah. or, you know, some of the other two teams that I've not mentioned. So, yeah, I think kind of consistently winning out over the season, they will be third with a bit of comfort yeah, um, margin. Agree. But I don't think it's going to kind of be clear cut that, you know, they will be the third yeah. best team on most weekends. I don't think it will go for thirds in the constructors to Abu Dhabi like it did last year. No. I feel like McLaren will get wrapped that up with a few races to go, perhaps. Um, but I do think fourth is going to be interesting. And that, that was the fight where it was every year but 2020. So mm. it's still going to be quite interesting. And obviously, you've got the Alonso factor. And mm. that's why I threw Alpine in there, because Alonso can yeah. do a lot. Titanium like, jawed Alonso. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. He's like an X-Man. And he can just <laughs> he'll be able to do something mad. Like more often than not, I think. I mean, and it does feel quite rare anyway that over 46 point or 46 finishes, you know, for a team over the season, that it does come down to the final one. Just because, you know, there's even if there's a small variance over over those races, you know, there's going to be there's going to be a more decent gap as it kind of grows out. So I think you know, in general, having that closeness is is a rare thing but it's great yeah I, I do agree it's just Alpine seems to have a fair few question marks over them that McLaren don't I think Alpine don't really have, what question marks do you have over Alpine they're two drivers to start with really Ooh. I think Ocon put on really good show in testing I think Alonso seemed to be straight at home in the car especially considering mm. his um recent jaw surgery and bike accident so yeah. i think i actually think alpine had a really good test and they had a lot of mileage they had a lot of reliable mileage crucially um mm. and they have stuck to their guns on a few interesting concepts that actually make sense like that big fat airbox is because they're cutting up basically the side pods so that means that they can channel more air into the diffuser and they just they've absolutely nailed how to get rid of the how to keep a lot of the downforce they lost by cutting off the floor, frankly. And it's they've done some really interesting things with Alpine. They kind of, um, yeah, I, kind of, I want them to do well because I've said this, but also because I kind of think Alonso, Ricardo was always there last year. Ricardo was like up there, Perez, Ricardo, and then the rest, frankly. And yeah, it'll be Ricardo Norris up there again this year. But I feel like Alonso will be the one mixing with Ricardo and Norris the most. Yeah, I don't I, see I why it wouldn't be anyone else. I, I do want them to do well, but again, it's going off the three days of testing. They look to be up there, but how did their drivers do in 2020? Those, you know, it's kind of have they taken that step forward? Got better and better. I Ocon think. got better and better in 2020. By the end of it, he was on form with, with Ricardo, and what Alonso did in 2020 was um, negligible, obviously. But what he did in um, 2018 in his last time in a Formula One car was drag the ninth best car to like seventh in the constructors. So. Hmm. So he can, do, he can, can drag a car. Can they continue that? I think so. Whereas I don't think there's that question for crucially McLaren. Well, I was I quite enjoyed that debate. There, I was just listening. Yeah, to it. I agree. Really the was, question's yeah. not there for McLaren. That's why I'm saying Alpine more fourth, not not third. Yeah, I'm saying definitely. I think Alpine. <laughs> mm. No, I think I would agree with that. I think I'd say them fourth. Yeah, I'll go them thought fourth because going to Aston, there's feels like even more questions around them. 
Yeah, I'm now I'm gonna check it out as usual. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'm gonna give it a few races, I think. Well, yeah, it's been it's very exciting, and we're just less than two weeks away now from the start of the 2021 Ford One season in Bahrain, just like where they've been over the past few days. And yeah, we're all looking forward to it. We'll be back with another podcast next week to talk about more F1, obviously, because we're an F1 podcast. That would be weird if we didn't, but sometimes we do because that's who we are. Um, we're going to be talking about. <laughs> we're going to be talking. Uh, more on the news and building up to what is hopefully a really good season. So thanks for listening or watching and we will see you next time.